This Bible teaching comes to you from the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Here now is Pastor Emmanuel Mbakwe with the Word of God. I believe God has been blessing us in the course of this service. As before I came up, I thought, oh yeah, there is a menu actually. It's a la carte. And you can pick here and pick there. It's not just swallow. It's a mixture of different things. I'm conscious of time. Hallelujah. I know that God has been ministering to us, those of us here in the building, or those with us online. And the ministration of God's word is not something that I take lightly. It's always a privilege. And uh, I know that God has spoken to us already. As I listened to the prophetic word, I, and, and when Elder Joe started the service, he read one of the texts that I'm going to reference in the course of my ministration. And the prophecy uh, also ref referred to something that is on my heart in relation to the grace of God. And we'll get there. Um, you'll note, no, recognize it when we get there. And for those of you who are not regulars here, uh, over the last few weeks we've been treating the subject or the theme, Grace Matters. The last time that I, I had the privilege of speaking, I spoke on the subject, Grace Matters Manifestations and Operations Part 1. And where there is a part one, there is a part two. Uh, and last time we used the life of Joseph as the main focus of our meditation. And we learned a number of things about the operation, the dynamics, and the manifestation of the grace of God. We said that the grace of God or God's favor to an individual is God's favor which manifests itself by way of a set of unique gifts, abilities, talents, uh, um, that enables that person to fulfill the purpose of God. And we said that grace can sometimes attract envy and jealousy, even hatred. Grace manifests itself and operates in different ways, either by way of gifts or the presence of God. For God was with him. That's grace. And that presence of God makes a difference. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. We say that grace meets needs. It solves problems, adds value to other lives, regardless of the circumstances. And we say sometimes grace can land you in trouble, but grace will always bring you out of trouble and advance you and raise you higher. And the manifestation of grace brings promotion. Amen? From the human standpoint, we said that grace can sometimes um, seem unfair when it's not in your favor. But because it discriminates, that's the nature of grace. But grace is not given for the benefit and blessing of the person who's the recipient, but grace is given for the benefit of others, for the preservation of life, for the fulfillment of the purpose of God. And always remember that well-being and destiny of others are tied to the grace upon our lives. So I want to use that as a takeoff point, and we continue today to try to understand a bit more about the, how the grace of God manifests and operates. How is grace initiated? How is it imparted? How does it work, and how is it outworked? How is it triggered? What triggers grace? What triggers the operation of grace? Are you with me in terms of the questions that we're trying to answer? 
Uh, what happens if a person fails to respond to the grace of God? I don't know if you pick something up in the prophetic. And so what is the appropriate response to the grace of God? We don't have time. There are so many scriptures to read. But I'm just going to mention one or two before we go in. Uh, before we go on. I, I, Genesis chapter 25 says, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. The Lord granted his plea. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her and said, and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. Let's move on. Genesis chapter 48 it's from verse 1 to 20, but I'm just going to pick one or two verses. I'm going to start verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. Then Jacob's... And now... Your two sons, Jacob said to Joseph, and now your two sons, in verse 5, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine, as Reuben and Simeon shall be mine. Your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. Verse 8, then Israel saw Joseph's son and said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they're my sons, whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. Verse 12, so Joseph brought them from beside his knees, and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim on his right hand, towards and, uh, towards Joseph's left hand and Manasseh with his left hand towards Joseph's right hand and brought them near. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hand knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my long, long life to this day. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be upon them. And the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so my my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, No, my, I know my son. I know. He shall also become a people. He shall also be great. But truly this younger brother shall be greater than he. And his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day saying, But you Israel will bless. Saying, May God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. As Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. Let's pray. Father, please help us to get a hold of your word. And may your word get a hold of us. 
And by your grace, we will be changed. Shifting and transitioning from where we are to where you want us to be. Let there be a, a repositioning of our lives by the entrance of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. There are many other scriptures. Um, look at the notes and uh, you see the scriptures that form the basis of this ministry. We said the last time that grace is really mysterious. Even I can't get my head around it. It is something that starts in eternity and then it manifests itself in time. Because God is eternal in origin, grace must have an eternal origin. Do you follow? But God works in the midst of time. Because we're children of time, we're seeing something that was already in eternity being demonstrated in time. Sometimes grace announces itself before a person is born. At other times, it is when the person is born. And yet, at other times, it's in the times of crisis. It is in a time of need. It is a time of problem that grace suddenly announces itself. Are you with me? God releases grace or he releases a carrier of grace to bring the solution to the problem. So one thing we can say is that grace is always purposeful. Amen? Amen. There is always a purpose to the grace of God upon your life, in your circumstance, in our world. Let's look at some examples. I want to make some assertions, some statements, and then we'll see what God is saying through his word. The favor of God is imparted to an individual in many ways and at different times. Before birth, after birth, through a prophetic word or pronouncement, through prayer and the laying of hands, or through the anointing with oil. This is what God said to Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 and 5. In the same way, we find that Jacob was graced whilst he was still in his mother's womb. He received the grace of elevation or the grace of promotion. Because the Bible tells us that the, the word of God says that the older shall serve the younger. Hold that in your mind because we're going somewhere. In the same way, John the Baptist, the grace in his life was spoken before he was born. If you read the book of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 to 5 and verse 9, and Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, it was speaking about John the Baptist. The grace of God on Jesus' life, the son of the living God, was prophesied, was, was spoken into his life before his birth. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from this before he was born. Sometimes we don't know the exact moment when grace was imparted. But we are told and we see evidence that the, there is a grace upon this life. There is a grace on this situation. So that's why we read, and Noah found grace in the sight of God. We don't know when he found it, but we know he found grace. Amen? Do you know that the grace of God was spoken into Samson's life before he was conceived? And God gave his mother the parameters within which she had to live. The confines with the way she had to live her life within the grace. Are you with me? You see, grace is not unlimited. Grace is not lawless. 
So when the woman was told, this is what God is going to do in your life and through your life, she was told how to conduct her life. Are you with me? However, when Samson came of age, he played fast and loose with the grace of God upon his life. Do you understand? God is saying something to us. Don't play fast and loose with the grace of God. Because when you go outside of the grace, you lose protection. Samson is an example. Judges chapter 16, verse 23 to 31. And there are so many lessons we can learn from the life of Samson. It is fundamental one. Don't mess with the grace of God on your life. Stay within the bounds. Somebody say, stay within the bounds. We find that when we read a scripture, the impartation of grace comes through the anointing with oil. The Bible shows us that when David was anointed with oil in the house of his father in 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13, 12 and 16, chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, that there was something radically different about, uh, about David. So that David would not operate, he had the anointing of a king, he became a different person. Father, I pray that you will pour out your grace, your transforming grace upon our lives. It was visible. Almost there was a switch in the life of this guy, this young man. You see, when there is grace in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 3 from verse 1 to 10. Peter and John were going to worship. You know the scripture. They came across this man who was crippled. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In other words, there is a healing grace in the name of Jesus. And when, when we close, by the, at the time we come to the end of the service, we'll have the opportunity for people to receive healing grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is power to heal. In the name of Jesus. And we find also in the life of Timothy that by his upbringing, there was a, a transgenerational grace that flowed through the life of Timothy, into the life of Timothy. Starting from his grandmother to his mother and to himself. Do you understand? Mothers, fathers, there is a transgenerational grace. That flows through our lives. Let's be, we are carriers of grace. Know that a talk, we talk, we talk, we've been talking about passing the button. There is a button of grace to be passed to the next generation. So the preceding generation must handle it with care. So that we leave a legacy. Amen? And through the nurturing, through the grace of holy living they were able to impart something into the life of Timothy. You know, the words we speak carry grace. They also carry poison. Hmm? It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, the life. And so God has given us the ability to speak life. Tell somebody, speak life. So when we speak prophetically, the prophecy that came was an impartation of grace. The grace of encouragement. The grace to stir up our faith. 
When you lay hands on people, what, the touch, there is, there is grace that is transmitted in the touch. Do you understand? When the Holy Spirit enables us to be carriers or conduits of the grace of God, I dwelt a long time on that, but, but it's important because I'm using it to set a, a foundation. The second thing is this, that the grace you carry is what you impart and transmit to others. Nemo dat quod non habet. You cannot give what you do not have. That which is born by a snake will belong by definition. A pigeon cannot produce a parrot. And so when we read in Numbers chapter 11 that God says, Moses, I want to take of the spirit that is in you and I want to transmit it to the elders there's a 70 elders. You, do you see what, what is happening? There is a grace on Moses' life, which has come from God. And God is saying, I'm going to take of that which I have put in you, and I'm going to place it in the life of all the elders, the 70 elders, so that the work will be lighter. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. The grace that multiplies the labor force. So when you give someone an assignment to do, that person is able to execute it, execute it seamlessly and excellently. You see, we read about Jacob. Jacob gave what he had. What did he have? He had the grace of promotion and elevation. Because whilst he was in the womb, God says, the elder shall serve the younger. Never mind all that happened with the birthright stuff, blah, blah, blah. That happened. But the grace was already on his life. He didn't have to do any DIY. What actually he did, I, I want to submit to us, what he did was to slow down or to delay the acceleration of the grace, the outworking of the grace on his life. So he had to go through certain disciplines and be broken by God. When we mess around with the grace, sometimes God makes us to walk with a limp. That's another message. So Jacob, what he did was to take the grace that was on his life. When we meet him in Genesis chapter 48, he took it and he transmitted it into the lives of the sons of Joseph. The older shall serve the younger. So he put the younger one Ahead of the older one. Do you understand? In the same way, Joseph was a carrier of a similar grace. Because when he was young, his father sewed for him a coat of many colors. That's grace. It provoked jealousy. And so when his brothers now came to him in Egypt, what did he do? He gave five portions to his brother Benjamin. What was he doing? He was doing exactly what he was carrying. Do you understand? Peter and John were only imparting the grace that they had. We don't have gold. We don't have silver. We don't have money. But what we have is the name of Jesus. And we speak healing into your body. Do you understand what God is saying? We often say there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. There is grace of healing in the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow at the mention of that name. 
Next thing I want us to note is that the manifestation of the grace of grace is more often than not disruptive. But ultimately it is redemptive. Grace disrupts. You see, the grace on Joseph's life disrupted the family dynamic. Do you understand? When he shared his dream, aha, uh-huh, wahala, that was problem. Because even his, fa- his parents were agitated. The grace on jo- David's life provoked King Saul. He felt threatened. Lord, may I not be threatened by anybody's grace. Don't be threatened, you have your own. Stay in your lane. Because the grace that you have is what God is going to use to get you to your destiny. Don't be jealous. Don't be envious. The grace on David's life had the same effect on his brothers. Remember, First Samuel chapter 17, he came to the war front. And he began to make, he was only making certain inquiries. He's not allowed to have a conversation. Huh? He's allowed to talk. But they want to hem in him, small boy. Stay in, your, stay in your little pocket. This is your slot. But in the end, the grace on David's life brought salvation to Israel. When he slaughtered Goliath and brought deliverance to the nation, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Which is linked to the next thing God will have us understand is that the grace of God positions, it repositions, it promotes, it advances, and it secures. You see, David went from shepherd boy to the king of Israel. That's what I call repositioning. He got a, a promotion. Some of you like double promotion in school. Who, who had double promotion in school? Keep your hand down. I'm not, I'm not even going to say who, who had to repeat a class. You see, Daniel went from a slave boy to number two in a foreign land. That's grace. It was grace that took a lowly, obscure village girl from an obscure village, to make her the mother of a savior, the savior of the world. It was grace that turned a murderous persecutor of the church to the greatest apostle that ever lived, aside from Jesus. Grace does wonders. Grace positions, it repositions. Lord, I pray that your grace will reposition your people, reposition this house. Once you have grace, you don't need anything from any man. Because that grace will make a way for you. Where there seems to be no way. And that grace will keep you secure. We're talking about the mysterious dynamics and outworking of grace. And we say this, that faith, trust, humility, and surrender of ourselves opens us up to the inflow of God's grace. We'll come now to the prophecy. When the Syrophoenician woman came in Mark chapter 7, it was her persevering faith that opened her up to receive the grace of God. She was outside of the scope of grace. Do you know? What did Jesus say? I came only 
for the house of Israel. I didn't come for you. You're an outsider. I will not, we, we're not supposed to give the children's food to dogs. Then she persisted. She said, even the dogs have the crumbs that fall of the children's table. That's grace. That grace floats through her. What God is saying, we have to trust God. We have to be just fearless in our faith. You see, the man who brought his son to be healed in Mark chapter 9, the boy that was possessed of the deaf and dumb spirit, cried, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. Whilst on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. As they say in a certain place, I'm here. <laughs> the woman with the issue of blood, by faith, access the grace of God. Do you understand? The disciples who had been fishing all night, toiling all night, in Luke chapter 5. And yet Jesus said to them, throw that on the right hand side. But Simon Peter answered to him, Master, we have told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. When we obey, grace flows. When you trust, grace flows. When you submit, grace flows. May we obey, may we trust, and may we submit in the name of Jesus. Which leads us to the next point, that many miss the grace of God through unbelief, which is a corollary of what I said, we said earlier, through rebellion, through arrogance, through ignorance, and through familiarity, contempt, and not yield, yielding to the flesh. There is so much there. You see, the Egyptian generation, the Egypt generation, missed the promised land. Why? They were not able to enter in because of unbelief. A land flowing with milk and honey, which they did not labor for, is a gift of grace. Do you understand? But they refused to believe. The majority came back with their report. But it was only Caleb and Joshua who said, we're able to possess the land. Let us go immediately. May we be like them in the name of Jesus. You see, Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, 1 to 14, almost missed the grace of God. Were it not for the voice of that servant, the lowly servant, he said, Master, if the prophet had said to you to do a difficult thing, would you not have done it? For him to go and take a bath in the river was uh, beneath him. May God help us. May we not die in the place of unbelief. May we not die in the place of pride. You see, when Jesus... Let me link it to the next point. Those who, nobody likes to be called a loser. But those who reject the grace of God are losers. It may sound harsh, but it's the truth. You see, because grace is a gift, anyone who received it is blessed and prospers as a result. Yeah? That person is called a winner. Not winning the lottery, but that person is a winner. More than the lottery. It therefore follows that anyone who refuses the grace of God is what? A loser. I won't mention certain football teams, but... <laughs> Actually, when, I was, when we were preparing, I was talking about the, the, when you reject the grace of God, 
you know, you're showing uh, contempt. And I remember the story of my, one of my uncles, my African uncles. He had been insulted by a junior person. And they're, they're looking to someone who's looking to, a senior man who's looking to settle the quarrel. He said, I don't blame him. Familiarity breeds attempt. <laughs> Why are you laughing at my uncle? Whether it's contempt or attempt, there is attempt. Sometimes we can become contemptuous of the grace of God. And that's what happens when Jesus went to his hometown. The Bible says in Mark chapter one, 6 from verse 1 to 6 that he was not able to do many miracles because of unbelief. In other words, they said, oh, is this not the son of Joseph and Mary? Do we not have his? We knew him when he was wearing short knicker and so on and so forth. We knew him as a boy. And because of their perception, they had taken themselves outside of the scope and the flow of the grace of God. May we not be like that. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained praise that you might still the enemy and the avenger. And their little child shall lead them. Please don't be a loser. Tell your neighbor, don't be a loser. Lord, help us not to be a bunch of losers by rejecting your offer of grace. That is a fact. I'm going to close very shortly. The grace of God introduces the supernatural dimension into any given situation. And it can move you from a place of following to a place of leading. That's what happens in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John introduced the supernatural. Are you with me? We're no longer talking about pounds, shillings, and pence. We're talking about the mighty name of Jesus. In the same way, when Apostle Paul was on that ship um, as a prison, he spoke to them several times. They didn't listen to him. But eventually, he said, he, he, they began to listen because they saw that he was right. While Paul was speaking from a place of revelation. And revelation is grace. Is it not? It's a grace gift. And so because of that, it came to a point where Paul says, My God, the God that I serve spoke to me last night that there will be no loss of life. He encouraged them. He said, take some food and eat. And they hadn't eaten for several days. Do you understand? In every situation, when we invoke the grace of God. The supernatural automatically kicks in and it's no longer a natural issue. May we be a people who move supernaturally Amen. in the name of Jesus. The last point here is this, that the grace of God is always purposeful and ultimately redemptive. The word of God is full of examples of where um, the God's power, his grace, brings about salvation. The last time we talked about Joseph, we said Joseph was a key to salvation for Israel. Yeah? We see it in the life of Moses, that it was a grace on his life that brought salvation. We see it in the life of Daniel. We see it in the life of Queen Esther and Mordecai. We see it in the life of the apostle. 
And of course, Jesus Christ is our ultimate example. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. That grace that has appeared is Jesus. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Those of you who are here, those who are watching online, Jesus is the savior of the world. He is the grace of God personified. And he wants you to come from a place of condemnation into a place of forgiveness. He wants you to come from a place of death into a place of life. He wants you to come from a place of brokenness into a place of healing. For there is no salvation, no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, I believe, verse 12. What do you have to do? Just accept that Jesus Christ is Savior of the world. Believe him as your Savior. Confess your sin. Surrender your life to him. The question is, what is your response? The grace of God is available in all its multicolored facets. It's available to everybody. And the grace of God manifests itself in so many different ways. The grace of God is a mystery. Tell your neighbor, it's a mystery. But one thing that is clear is that it's always purposeful. Grace is imparted either before you were born or after you are born. And it can come through prophetic word. It can come through a laying of hands. It can come through the anointing. It can come through spoken words. And the grace that you carry is the grace that you give. Amen? And the manifestation of the outworking of grace, more often than not, will cause disruption. But also it will bring redemption. The grace of God positions, it repositions, it promotes, it advances. It causes you to be secure. And when we have faith, when we trust in God, when we come to him humbly, when we are open, God says, be open. Be open to the inflow of the grace. Then you will experience the benefit of the grace. Many miss, many miss the grace of God through their unbelief, through their rebellion, arrogance, ignorance. We become familiar. May that not be our case in Jesus' name. And those who reject the, the grace of God make themselves losers. Who wants to be a loser? My hands are firmly down. And the grace of God always introduces the supernatural dimension into any situation. When people don't think you're fit to lead, they saw them that they were unlearned men, but they understood that they had been with Jesus. Do you understand? When you have been in contact with the grace of God, there is always a change. The grace of God is always purposeful, but it's ultimately redemptive. Let's stand together. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. You just listened to Pastor Emmanuel Mbakwe of the Apostolic Church All Nation Center in Kennington, London. Our address is 13 Tyres Terrace, Lambeth, London, SE11 5LZ. Call us on 020-7820-9917. Find us on the web at www.apostolic-anc.org. The All Nation Center, reaching out into the community in practical and caring ways.